0: correction should be part of the training process um they're not always going to get it right you know it's just like when we learn as humans we're we're not always going to get it right we're going to make the wrong choice sometimes and then have to put ourselves back on track welcome to the horsewoman project A podcast where we talk about all things horsewoman, from relationships to truck issues, taking care of your nutrition and fitness, and of course, horses.
1: Hey Camry. Hello, hello. How are you today? I am good.
0: It's been a good (laughs) week. My kiddos had a choir performance last night and it was so cute.
1: (laughs) Oh, that's cute. I didn't know they were in choir.
0: Yeah. I'm a choir nerd. I grew up really? in choir.
1: I would never
0: know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was a choir geek growing up. No, I, I was in voice mm. lessons and piano lessons and choir and music was a huge, huge thing for me growing up and so um I decided mm. to put my kiddos in choir this year and their teacher is just amazing. She's the sweetest gal and it's been so fun because at the beginning of the year neither of my kids knew how to sing. Like they more chanted. <laughs> <laughs> like they would like sing speak <laughs> and now they're starting to like learn how to find pitch and it's just been really fun to see them so
1: yeah it's that's good. cute it's do, do either of them love it yeah,
0: yeah yeah they both I asked them I'm like you want to do it next year because this was their end of year recital and mm-hmm. or um, concert and and they both yeah I want to do it next year I like choir and I'm like yeah <laughs> my little music busts <laughs> yeah well i i don't mind if they stay in it forever like if if music just isn't a huge thing for them i'm i'm not gonna like push them into it and be like you have to like music but i do feel like having a basic knowledge of pitch and rhythm is i think everyone should have that in my opinion like i think it just it helps you out in so many different ways in your life, whether it be like going to church where they sing hymns or, or, you know, singing around a fire at the, at the campfire. Like there's so many places in life that there's music that I feel like having just a a base knowledge of it is helpful, but that's just my opinion, I guess, with, with music. So, (laughs) but I do hope they love it. I'm like, I would love to sing with one of my kids (laughs) because Larry is not a singer. (laughs) He is, he's, he's not musically inclined, which love him to death. Um, but yeah, he is, he is not musically inclined. So, you know, I can't necessarily like sing with him or, or do anything musically with him per se. We dance, which we do include music in that way. Um, and that's actually how we met was dancing. Um, but yeah, I think it would just be so fun because I used to sing with my siblings growing up. Like we would sit down and one of us would play the piano while we all sang together and like harmonized. And so I do miss that a little bit. So I'm like, it'd be so fun to sing with my kids. <laughs> and now like I sing, usually I sing the song, You Are My Sunshine to them before they go to sleep. And they've started singing it with me now. <laughs>
1: and it's That's so, so fun. Cute. I'm like, uh oh. <laughs> That's just- the song that Eric used to propose to me oh he (laughs) likes to sing and he plays the ukulele so when he proposed to me he like did a painting that said you are my sunshine with some like sunflowers and stuff on it and then serenaded me with the song and then proposed oh yes I love that song (laughs) it's got got some good memories (laughs) yeah oh that's so fun that's so cute though yeah how's your week been Oh, man. I don't know. It's it's felt like a month this last week, so it's been busy, but good. I'm trying to think if we've done anything. Have you been cool. conditioning Miss Sandy? Oh, of course. Of course I've been conditioning Miss <laughs> Sandy. No. Oh, I guess that, that's the new thing this week is her teeth you and I were talking about. Oh, yeah. So Sandy just just sprouted some canines <laughs> out of nowhere. <laughs> um. And it was surprising because you know I, I was told when I got her that she was four, so she should be eight this year, and, canines normally come in at four to five, so I've been trying to like figure out is she a little younger than I thought she was, like what's going on, um, and they were definitely a little sore one day, and actually um I had the gal who's been helping me with endurance, she and I went for a condition ride on Sunday together, so I had her take a look at him too, and she actually suggested lo- lowering my bit quite a bit and I actually lowered my bit like an inch and a half almost two inches it actually helped a lot um because then Sandy just took it and just put it where she wanted it and I had no issues with it on Sunday so that was that was really interesting because I actually made a little side pole bridle (laughs) for her to try out and I just I didn't really want to try it out so I so I was like I'll try this um but I've got that in case case I need it um but yeah that that was my interesting thing this week. My horse's mouth. I live such an interesting life.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's it definitely brought into play kind of this. Oh, crap. Like, what if I was conditioning her way too young? Like, what if she
1: was younger than I thought? And
0: I was yeah. like, what
1: if I broke down this like two year old that I thought was four? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? so. No, exactly. A little bit of anxiety there, but it was helpful to be like, OK, it's, it's done. I've already done the thing it already happened she's fine now like we're just going to move forward with whatever and i did post like pictures of her teeth for some other people to look at as well um and she could possibly be 6 like possibly with just how small her teeth are and she doesn't have like the hook on and on her corner incisors or anything um so i would say she's anywhere from 6 to 8 years old yeah um but it is interesting cuz she's not papered or anything so people who don't know yeah. that she's she's a great quarter horse I think she's a quarter horse, pretty sure she's a quarter horse, you know, but that's about it, like, other than, I I know nothing about her other than what I was told, you know, and I don't have papers to check on anything, so that is why I was concerned about that. If she had papers, then I would know for sure how old she is. Um, That's one of the big
0: benefits of papers, but...
1: Yeah. yeah
0: our best horse doesn't have papers so
1: <laughs> right well you know what she has been amazing like she yeah. would you know she can do anything and that's something I really appreciated about her I'm like yeah she's she's great I got her in a trade but she has been one of the best horses I've ever had she's been amazing so her conditioning is going well um I was really glad to ride with my mentor this is the first time I've actually ridden with her with my horse um okay. And so I was really happy to do that because she was like, oh yeah, you're, you're in a good place. She's fitter than I was giving her credit for. She's like, yeah, mm-hmm. you can definitely do a little bit more with her. I'm like, okay, <laughs> just, just that reassurance is nice to have. Cause yeah. I'm, I'm constantly questioning everything I'm doing with her. Um, but it was nice to have that reassurance. Oh, funny story. So I love my scoop boots, right? Like yeah, They are the bee's knees. I freaking love them. We, Sandy and I went on a condition ride thursday and we got into some like way too deep mud like we were just going along and then all of a sudden she was knee deep in mud and i was like crap so we like quickly got out of that situation right boots stayed on no problem we actually lost the pastern strap but the boots stayed on no problem so i went and like repaired them for my ride with my mentors and she wanted to see how they were so we're riding along it's going great we do this little like we cross a little stream she lost a boot I'm like, I've used these boots for three years. They have never once fallen off, knee deep mud, they stay on. And of course, like the one day that somebody's like, oh, I want to see how those boots perform, I lose it in the first five minutes. I'm like, how <laughs> does that happen? <laughs> oh, that's funny. Oh my gosh. I just do think it's just because it they're getting off. old. It could be. I also did. She had a fresh trim because I trimmed her on Saturday. Gotcha. And so she had a fresh trim on Sunday and then um when I picked up her boot like one of the lower straps had come off. Like mm-hmm. so I wonder if that just didn't get strapped on all the way as well and so that it just expanded enough that her fresh trim just popped out of it. <laughs> yeah. So um which yeah. it was good to do a fresh trim on her and see how she did as well because then I ended up just taking the boots completely off so I didn't have to worry about them and it put, it put a lot more confidence in how I'm trimming her too. Cause she was not sore at all. And mm. we went through a lot of different terrain and she did great. So I'm like, you know, I, I probably overboot her. Honestly, I, I definitely wear boots. Like if we're going down the road or something, cause I do not want her front feet, especially to get the wear and tear um, yeah. from the road. But for some of the trails that we go on here, I think she's, she's fine. Just completely barefoot, to be honest. Um, but yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Funny. I'm <laughs> like, of course, because seriously, I have never, ever, that is the first time I've ever had a, one of those boots come off Camry. <laughs> and I have been in a lot of different situations where we're you know, knee deep in mud. We're crossing like, fi- like through five feet deep of water and like all of this stuff. And they've never come off. And then this little tiny stream and pops it right off. I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> Speaking of fresh trims, <clears throat> I trimmed Mr. Kevin this week. My little mini mule. Yay. I'm glad that you got <laughs> up to him enough to do that and that he was confident.
0: Yeah. He has been getting so friendly and just getting to where he feels a lot more comfortable with us and oh he's starting to love my son Trip. Like I I had him just looped over the tie post and and had Trip up and petting him and I I shared this video. On Facebook, that was just so cute because Trip was just sitting here rubbing between his ears and up on his forehead, <laughs> and and uh, and so in the recording, I I just kind of chuckle and I said, "Trip, I think Kevin's starting to like you," and then Trip just kind of quietly smiles and he goes, "I think so too." <laughs> <laughs> so, it's just cute. so cute, cute. <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh, but no, it's like even with the uh, um, he's starting to get where he leads up next to her now. And he was terrified to do that at first. Um, he, he likes to keep people out in front of him. That's kind of more of a comfort zone for him. Having someone like up next to him at like shoulder or neck level, he gets a little more nervous about and or he did, I should say. And so he always wanted to lead back behind us and mm-hmm. um, and so we've been teaching him how to lead up next to us and and now it was so cute my daughter was in her dress too <laughs> it was so cute she's in this big poofy pink dress and and then my husband was helping her while i was riding a horse and and he c- calls over to me and it's like hey camry look at this and and i look over and she's in her little pink dress and kevin's just <laughs> like just walking right up next to her so cute and just happy and perky and and it's been so fun and It's, it's been fun to see how the process I took with him has helped him so much because I had to trim his feet this, this last week, um, because they were very long and I also had to deworm him this week. And a couple of those those things were kind of a couple of the things that made me realize I did need to change my initial plan with him. So my initial plan was to always just let Kevin come up to us. Right. And then when he felt comfortable enough, he would allow us to pet him. And then we had talked about this in, I think, two episodes ago, how I took just a long stick and and changed the dynamic of him being caught. So I would reach the stick out and just touch him on the top of the back with it and allow him to move through that until he he decided to, you know, quiet his feet and turn and look at me or flick an ear at me you know f- have a little bit of focus towards me instead of like shutting me out um and i i did question myself on that to be honest like when i first changed gears with him and decided that okay i am going to actually do something that's going to take him out of his comfort zone you know i'm going to touch him and he doesn't want to be touched so part of me like questioned it right and i'm like am i doing the right thing here like am i staying true to my horse like am i listening to him am i really helping him and seeing him go through this stuff with my kids of being able to feel comfortable around them and feel good about the people he's being handled by and then being able to be trimmed in an easy way so I actually while I was trimming him (laughs) trimming a mini is hard you guys (laughs) oh it is hard because their feet are so tiny so like the tools are massive like I feel like I need shrunken tools (laughs) to trim him because I was trying to use these nippers and I'm like I just need like four hands because I need to be able to like hold his legs somehow because I can't put it between my knees you know because he's so short and low to the ground and so what I ended up doing was I took his hoof on his hind feet and I put it on my foot And, and, and so then I would just set it on my foot and kind of use my foot to like lift my toe up off the ground to kind of hold his foot there. (laughs) And then I would like use my two hands to try and position these massive nippers on this little teeny tiny foot. Um, and then, you know, sometimes he would take his foot away and I would just place it back on my foot and, and repeated that several times until he just left his foot there by choice. You know, he, he felt comfortable enough that like I wasn't going to get mad at him. I was just going to say, Okay, that's fine. Like, let's just put your foot back. This is where I need it to be. So we can finish what we're doing. And he was so patient and so good. And a couple of times he did like get a little bit worried. <laughs> Cause a couple of times I was trying to like position things and I think I like kinda elbowed mm. him or like pushed on his body and he was like, What are you doing? <laughs> um and like I've never trimmed a mini, so I don't know what I'm doing. And um and let alone trimmed anything else. I mean, I've done touch-ups, but I have never. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Him. Like, fully have you trimmed, even
1: trimmed a horse.
0: <laughs> no, like I have like rasped a little bit, and I have like nipped off <clears throat> like chunks that are starting to fall off or things like that. But as far as doing a full trim, no, I have not ever done one, even on a full size horse. Let alone like like his feet are like two inches wide. Right. They are so small, um, and so. But yeah, I mean, just seeing that. And then the fact that we were able to deworm him as well. And like that one was just a, a little bit harder. I did have to have my husband's help with that one um, because we did that probably about a week before I did the trim. I just did the trim like two days ago. And then I dewormed him about, about a week before that. Um, and so he he definitely did kind of like back up and get very hesitant with that because it was like, ah! Um But the nice thing was I was able to put it In his mouth, in the corner of his mouth and everything Mm -hmm. without him doing that. It was just when we started to like put the stuff in his mouth that he was like, (laughs) what is this this crap? Um, But for me, it was good for Kevin, for me to speed up the process Mm
1: -hmm. instead
0: of letting it take a year or however long it would have taken to do it 100% at his pace and never do anything over threshold. Um, because now he's able to feel good about the way we're handling him. And he's able to have more of a friendship and each experience, you know, I'm able to take care of him better. Because if I were to not ever handle him, except for the times I needed to do his feet, then every time we handled his feet, that would be one of the hardest things for him to do. And he wouldn't feel comfortable with that. And so then I feel like he would probably almost get worse for his feet because he would be uncertain about me catching him to begin with. And so the catching would be hard and, and then expecting him to hold his feet up and doing all those things. Whereas now, because I've taught him that catching can be a positive experience, having one time of being caught that ends in, you know, something yucky being put in your mouth or, you know, having to hold your foot up, which, you know, he wasn't bad for, he's definitely had his feet handled in the past. Um, and, and so he wasn't horrible for that, but it is, expectation it is something that he does have to do what's being asked of him Mm -hmm. you know no matter what because we have to get his feet done and so this way it was much more of a positive experience and then it was like okay and then the next time i catch him we'll just go and take him for a little walk and and go and do these other things so it made me feel better about it seeing the result right because i i wasn't questioning myself so much of like oh, am I, am I doing too much? Am I expecting too much of him too soon? And it's like, no, I think that you can ethically speed things up a little bit in a way that you are going over threshold, but you're not going so far over that your horse is going to be a danger to themselves or to you or things like that. Um, and it can actually be better for your horse in the long run because it's it teaches them the things they need to know to exist in a human world. You know, and ideally, if we didn't need to trim their feet, if we didn't need to give them vaccines or or dewormer, then it would be awesome to be able to just do it that way and just take it at their pace, a hundred percent, all of the time, it with every single horse. Um, but the fact is, you know, if I let his feet go for six months because I didn't want to take him over a threshold and catch him, his feet would look like crap, and he would be sore. He would be hurting. Mm. He would be. Yeah, I mean, it's, it just, it's worth it to be able to teach them at least enough to be caught, to be handled and things like that. And, and do it in that kind of a way where, where you're not being mean or rude, but yeah, you are going to challenge them a little bit so that we can keep them healthy and safe. So I don't know, what
1: are your thoughts on it? Well, as you're, as you're talking, I'm just thinking, well, growth only comes out like out of your comfort zone. Growth only comes through discomfort. Um, And that goes with any animal, including humans, right? You can't grow unless you get a little uncomfortable um, because just like every animal, every mammal wants to stay in their comfort zone because that's where it's familiar. We know for sure we're not going to get hurt here. We know for sure what's going to happen here, but we'll never grow here because we're going to want to stay here. And I just feel like if you had just stayed at that point of, waiting for him all the time. I mean, you're just sitting in his comfort zone now. Right? So it's he's not going to search for that growth opportunity himself because especially horses, they are creatures of comfort. If they're comfortable here, they are not going to search for discomfort. Horses will stay in their comfort zone. And if that comfort zone looks like not being caught, not being handled, like you said, there's health consequences to that for the horse and for the handler as well. Um so yeah, I, I think taking horses out, well, you, you use the word threshold. So like above threshold, um, of yeah. where they're at. So,
0: yeah. Go ahead and yeah. So when that. I say over threshold, I just mean something that they are like <clears throat> going from like your parasympathetic nervous system into the sympathetic nervous system. So they're going into a little bit of fight or flight. Right. So that's above that threshold of like, okay, now they feel like they need to, You know defend themselves or or run away um and so that's kind of what i'm talking about with threshold is is just getting them past that point of like i'm uncomfortable with this i'm leaving (laughs) so (laughs) you're making them a little
1: stressed (laughs) yes
0: you are stressing them out (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm. yeah well and like when you think of what discomfort is like what is discomfort that's when we start to get a little stressed that's when Mm -hmm. when we're like oh my gosh should we pull back should we keep going what should we do but if you don't spend some time in that area as a human or as a horse, you're not going to excel. You're not going to grow. You're not going to move forward. And I think it's really important to spend time. And I have a really hard time with people who are like, oh, well, we'll just sit here and wait until he just hands me his foot. It's like, I'm sorry, that's not going to (laughs) happen. Like he's not just going (laughs) to walk up to you one day and be like, sure, you can handle all of my feet and sure, stick this thing in my mouth that tastes really disgusting. And I'm not going to, to run away. And, and I'll just follow you around. Like, You're not going to do that unless you are able to play around with, with him being a little bit uncomfortable and realizing that that uncomfortable was safe. That's how you, that's how that growth comes up. Right. So then the comfort level moves up as he realizes the levels of what he can handle. Right. And if you don't do that ever, like, I I don't know. I don't know any, I don't know anybody who can train a horse without there being some level of discomfort. And I don't even care if you're like to do nothing but positive reinforcement. There's still gonna be that level of discomfort at some point where the horse is just not gonna learn. And discomfort does not, I like it does not look like, oh my gosh, like you took him out and you hit him every time he moved his foot. No, it just meant, oh, he's a little uncomfortable here. How can we show him how to be comfortable, right? And, and with that can come positive reinforcement. With that can come, come other things but you have to let the horse be uncomfortable just like you have to let yourself be uncomfortable
0: yeah and it's it's interesting to me thinking about those too because with all of my client horses and my other horses that i have i do work with like you get them a little bit like uncomfortable and then you bring them back to comfort and then you get them a little uncomfortable and you bring them back to comfort uh, and so i definitely work with that a lot and i think my biggest reason why I was questioning myself in this one was because of my original plan my original plan was to do it 100% his pace you know it's like let's really dive into like this version of not having to speed it up because it's not a client horse you know it's not it's not there's not a timeline on him there's not um that expectation and yet in the reverse, I put that expectation on myself of like, we have to do it this way. When really, because of other things and like his history of being caught and him his perspective of being caught, it actually worked out better for him to learn fairly early on to be comfortable with being caught. And then everything else is just so much easier because of that. But it's, it's just interesting to me because with any other horse that I work with, I do work in and out of that, you know, discomfort back to comfort. And mm-hmm. I don't push horses way over threshold, like, you know, into bucking, bolting, rearing, like that's not the kind of over threshold I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm talking about just a little bit, you know, you get them just a little bit where they're like, oh, I'm not so certain. And then you bring them back and say, okay, you can be certain about it and and just play with that. But yeah, yeah. it's just interesting how I had a little different perspective with him. So I have a question but,
1: for you. Yeah. Why? Why did you feel like with this with this mini mule, you needed to change your whole philosophy of trading.
0: Um, it wasn't so much changing it. It was more like fully embracing the the connection-based. Um, and so especially, <laughs> I feel like especially with the fact that he is also a mule. And mules are notorious for being, you know, stubborn and hard-headed. And that, like, you really have to do right by them. Because they will never forget it if you do something wrong, you know. That I, I felt like if I... If I didn't take it at his pace, then I uh, I was intimidated. I guess the fact that he was a mule, you know, and and that I didn't want to screw him up, <laughs> um, and, and yeah, so I it, those were a couple of the factors. It's just wanting to really fully embrace the connection side, one hundred percent, and then just the mule factor of of not wanting to feel like I ever forced him to do something or that that he couldn't trust me you know, and have him remember that the whole rest of his life. And, and, um, but I mean, honestly, with him as a mule, he, he's not any different to me than a horse. Like all these horses I've been working with all these years, I, especially the last few years, I've gotten better at reading horses, at seeing the nuances, at being able to work within you know, building their confidence and building their level of comfort. So that their comfort zone starts at like next to nothing. And then all of a sudden, by the time they go home, they can push cows, they can swing ropes, they can do all these things um, and comfortably do these things and feel confident in them. And working with a mule is no different. You know, it's just a matter of letting him know that I care, but also challenging him enough within certain bounds, you know, not overdoing it and, and really just pushing him completely out of, his brain (laughs) um but yeah i mean he's really no different and i really should do an updated video because he is like i walk into his stall and he just walks right up to me and i just scratch him right on the forehead and he just kind of like leans into me and then i get up to his side which i don't have to face away from him now i can just walk up to him and then i reach my hands around his neck and and hold the halter the nose of the halter open and he dips his nose in the halter so he is choosing now to be caught. Whereas a month ago, he was running circles around me and saying, I don't want to be caught. I don't want to be caught. And mm-hmm. so me being able to say, yes, I am going to catch you. But this is what catching means now. Catching doesn't mean bad things. Catching means good things. And now he's choosing it. And so it's just been fun to see that and to realize that I didn't need to be intimidated by that whole like stubbornness and all of that of a mule of like mules never forget and, and all that. and. I think the people that are more intimidated by that side of mules are people that don't treat horses well, you know, and that's why mules have that reputation is you can't cowboy a mule. (laughs) You you can't do it. The, I, I guess that's a term that, I don't know if other listeners that are listening to us know that term, but around here, when you talk about cowboying them, that's like the put them in a squeeze chute, throw a saddle on, get on them, open the chute and buck them out and and spur them while they're doing it until they quit bucking you know that's what I mean by quote-unquote cowboying them (laughs) and I do think that is why mules have that reputation is when you do it that way mules are like no you're not listening to me you don't you know you're not building my confidence you're not you're just being a jerk (laughs) Mm -hmm. and mules respond to being a jerk and what I was doing with him was not being a jerk it was me trying to show him where to find peace where to find comfort and that that was with me Mm -hmm. you know peace and comfort were with me it wasn't with running away from me so been kind of fun kind of fun
1: I do think mules are very smart but I've never heard of the oh my gosh you've got to treat them like completely differently I've just known that they're always very intelligent and the ones that I've worked with or or seen that's been more of the case they just they pick up things pretty quickly. To me, it's kind of like comparing my blue healer dogs to my lab dogs. You know, my blue healer, I taught him names of toys. So he knew like what his bear was. He knew what his like I, I named one of his toys Bob. Like he had like a a monkey named Bob. <laughs> and I would hide them around the house. And this is one way I kept him entertained when I was working i'd hide his toys around the house and then i'd go okay go go find bob and so then he would spend a few minutes looking for bob and then he would find bob and bring me bob and i'm okay now go find your rope you know and then he'd go look for his rope where my my labs not quite that intelligent (laughs) like they just they just (laughs) don't quite pick it up quite as quickly and i feel like that's the difference between mules and maybe some other breeds of horses is they just they tend to pick up things just a little bit quicker and with that that also means they they can pick up like, Oh, I, I got away with that. Or, Oh, this happened with this person. And you know, like they, they can definitely pick it up a little bit quicker. I, I feel like a big reason all of this is coming up. Um, both Camry and I have seen a lot on social media lately about different people's opinions and how things should be done. And it's so polarizing. Like there's, there's, Oh, there's absolutely, you should never expect anything of your horse. They, you know, Like, they should pretty much lay down and put you on their back if you're going to ride them. You know, and then you have the people who who are, like, more the cowboy style, like you were talking about before, who are going to force everything upon the horse. Um, But I think, like, as we have these polarizing views, I think there's a lot more in the middle that we're not seeing or, or we're ignoring with a lot of people. Cause like you said, I mean, even if you are the most positive reinforcement person, there's no way that you're not putting that horse a little bit out of their comfort zone in some way or another. Cause again, you don't grow unless you're a little bit out of your comfort zone. And that could look like, Hey, I'm going to make you a little uncomfortable by putting this saddle blanket on you. It's new, but you know, and, and just depending on your methods, you can make it a little less uncomfortable by doing the foundation that you've done, right? Like, like, camera, you have a huge system of foundations that you do with horses to help make that a little less uncomfortable. That doesn't mean it's not going to be uncomfortable, though. And like with the positive reinforcement people, like, yeah, you can feed them treats all day long. That's great. That doesn't mean the horse is still not going to be a little bit concerned (laughs) about you putting something on their back. It's just more how you handle it and, and your reactions to it, I think make the biggest difference.
0: Yeah. So this actually makes me think of, um, of, uh, Caesar Milan. So, he is a very strict, very like he gives a lot of corrections. He gives a lot of um, like he's he he does have fairly high expectations of these dogs. And a lot of it is because if he doesn't, they will be put down. You know, they they will die. <laughs> so he has to get them doing things on a very tight timeline so that they don't get put down. Um, but the fact that he does it with the right energy I feel like is what makes the difference you can use so many different methods in training a dog and training a horse if you have the right energy behind it so we talked about this like I don't know a couple months ago I feel like in an episode um of you don't correct in anger you know you give the correction and then the correction's over and then and it's it's not a it's not an angry um emotional state it's just you know correcting something and then moving on and, and, um, having that energy behind it, it's, it's not full of frustration. It's not emotionally charged. It's not any of those things. And so it's easier to be corrected as the, the other person or animal, if someone is doing it with that kind of energy, you know? Mm -hmm. And so even though Caesar has a very different method than like, you know, works, even though it's dogs versus horses, um, it's it's still fair and it's still done with the right energy. and um, I do feel like having that energy is super important um,
1: to being a parent too
0: <laughs> being a parent, being a horse trainer, being a dog trainer. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: so no, I I agree. and for those of you who don't know Caesar Milan is the dog whisperer. You can watch him on Netflix <laughs> um, <laughs> but. But yeah, I agree. You have to have enough emotional control whenever you're dealing with anything like this. And I don't care what methods you use. You have to have the emotional control behind it. Because if you think about when you're angry, like truly angry, you're not just going to give a correction. It's going to go yeah. way too far. And yes. that's really important to recognize that in yourself. And Camry and I have talked a little bit about that. I know as as we've gone through our own journeys with each other and just been like, man, I feel really bad about today because I, I had to ride, right? Like, and especially in your, in your situation where you do have that expectation of, no, these horses get ridden daily, right? It's really hard to take those times and, and just realize I'm not in an emotional state to be able to do this. And so sometimes that looks like changing the way that you do your session that day, right? Yeah. Um. So there, there was, a few times I can remember like you and I both would come in and we would both be not in the best of places. I can remember like one day (laughs) specific where you and I were both just like not even talking to each other. If you guys can believe that we didn't talk. (laughs) Um, But we both had that same similar energy where it was just, we were done. We were frustrated by things that were going on in our separate lives and we could read that in each other. And yeah, we didn't ride a horse that day. We, we played games, we did yeah. groundwork
0: things, we did things that were not going to upset us or our horses. Mm-hmm. Um they still got worked. But yeah, yeah it did it looked different. Mm-hmm. based on what we were feeling in ourselves and what we needed <clears> to <throat> do to get ourselves and our horses to a good mental state <laughs> and it's yeah it, it's funny that you mentioned that
1: <laughs> where we were both right. like stress cases that day <laughs> oh i know that we had that like are you okay no are you okay no we could both feel it, <laughs> it
0: was... uh, Well, yeah i'm like that actually leads me into the other thing i wanted to mention before we um finish up for today and that was um that like giving corrections right and i i feel like there's a big disconnect right now of giving a correction and punishment you know i feel like that is one of the big differences between when you are emotionally charged and you are punishing that animal you know you are angry and you are coming after that animal um and then when you give a correction for a behavior. Because correction should be part of the training process. Um, They're not always going to get it right. You know, it's just like when we learn as humans, we're we're not always going to get it right. We're going to make the wrong choice sometimes and then have to put ourselves back on track and, and realize the right thing to do. And same with horses, you know, some of them, the first time they start feeling halter pressure, they're going to start pushing on it instead of giving to it. They're not going to find the right answer the first time. And so I feel like being able to correct them when they get it wrong, especially if it's like crossing boundaries or putting you in danger, you need to be able to, to correct a horse in a way where you're not coming after them Mm -hmm. (laughs) but i that that correction there's been a lot of posts going around about you know like spanking your horse or or correcting your horse and and it's 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 like michaela said it's so polarized of like either the people that are like yes you know if your horse is being naughty like spank him get after him get mad at him spur him like do all these things but then there's the people on the other side of the fence that are like no, don't don't correct your horse, and and you you need to guide your horse and teach your horse, and and I feel like the middle ground there is
1: missing. Because <laughs> the um, middle ground people are like, oh my gosh, can we <laughs> dare say anything. <laughs>
0: right? I know because then they'll tell you you're a horse abuser, mm-hmm.
1: and I tell or you on what, the other I'm... end that you are too soft and you'll never be a true horse mm-hmm. person. Yeah. yeah,
0: and with that middle ground, I feel like is the fact that yes the best way to teach a horse is to teach them from the get go not correct 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 and then finally they'll eventually get it right no it's you show them the correct thing to do you you start with less pressure less is more you you teach the right behavior from the beginning so that they don't ever learn the wrong behavior but horses are horses <laughs> as we talked about earlier and and they're going to get it wrong they're going to they're going to rear or they're going to they're going to get out over threshold or or do things that or they're going to reach around and bite at you um and you need to be able to have boundaries in that situation where you can give them a correction and keep yourself safe but that you're giving the correction in a way that isn't abusive that isn't emotionally charged and that it is simply you know this is my boundary. You are not allowed mm. to put me in danger regardless of what is going on, you know? Um, and a lot of times that is done best with like, if you have a flag and you can do it with a visual barrier, best option, you know, that's, then you don't have to make contact with the horse to be able to feel safe. And cause sometimes that contact can come across as, you know you're beating them or (laughs) things like that but but even then if you need to make contact to keep yourself safe that horse needs to to know that there is a a boundary there and if they cross it they're gonna you know just like a a fence boundary Mm
1: -hmm. if there's a
0: fence there and that horse goes to come after you and you're on the other side of the fence they're gonna smack into the fence that fence will not move that boundary is still there they're gonna hit the fence so if you just have your boundary as that fence right that invisible boundary then you can use your your lead rope your cue stick lunge stick you know whatever you want to call it um or your flag to provide that barrier now it's there's a difference between having that barrier as like the horse ran into it versus coming after that horse and like reaching for them to smack Mm -hmm. them and i feel like that's where the disconnect is with that is people feel like if you make contact with your horse you're beating them And I I don't agree with that. I think that there are times when you do need to enforce your boundaries and and give a correction when a horse does something. And I don't know, maybe people are going to like stop listening now and be like, oh my (laughs) gosh, she's a horse abuser, but (laughs) I am not a horse abuser. But when you work with unhandled colts and you work with horses that have, like I've worked with problem horses that do have like biting or kicking or, you know, behaviors like that, and you have to find ways to keep yourself safe and so
1: yeah well and I agree and honestly anyone who's listened to the whole episode is not going to think you're a horse abuser (laughs) I think you're fine (laughs) Um, like I promise I don't abuse my horses (laughs) no and I think there's that disconnect too because I don't know I've always been taught and I and I and I still believe this is you do need to speak the horse's language At some points, you know, and what do horses do when another horse kicks them? Yeah, they're going to be like, "Uh, no, you can't kick me or, oh, you came in to bite me. Well, yeah, I'm going to make you go away. But if you really watch horse behavior, and I think, I think the biggest switch there is what you said. There's a big difference between going after the horse and saying, hey, no, you can't do that. Get away from me right? And if you watch horse behavior, like you'll have your bully horses, obviously, but most horses are pretty fair in how they handle themselves in a herd situation. So like for my mare, if Comanche, my Mustang, isn't doing something that she likes, it's, she just kind of, you know, growls at it a second, but she might take a kick at him, but she doesn't chase him down and kick him, right? She just says, hey, no, move away from me, please and he moves away. And I think that's where we need to remember is a lot of people use that. Oh, well, you know, you think I'm hurting that horse. He gets kicked by this horse or or whatever. I think that's the wrong way to take it. If you just realize, no, how are they speaking to each other? They give fair corrections. They say, no, you're in my boundary, please move. And if they don't, then yeah, like they're going, there's going to be, well, you're in my bubble. You need to get out of my bubble now. There might be a little bit of contact there, but the difference is the reaction after the contact i feel like or the reaction that goes towards the contact um and there's definitely i don't know because i've been with a lot of people who also i've worked with and and trained with a few people who are more on the side of oh we never give corrections problem with that that i have seen over and over again is their horses become dangerous and they put, they get put in dangerous situations. And I can kind of speak to that because that's where I was trying to be this last year with Sandy was I, d- I really didn't want to give any kind of correction, right? So I was trying to do everything positive reinforcement style. I was trying to really be just very thoughtful and patient and listen and, and be very slow with things. And I started to notice that she was starting to put me in some dangerous situations. She was starting to to get to where I'd go saddle her and she'd squish me up against the trailer or anything else that she was tied to she wouldn't move off of my pressure anymore and it was putting me in a very dangerous situation right um to where I finally one day was like I've got to correct this because I can't like it was getting to a point I didn't even want to ride my horse anymore because I didn't want to be put in this situation it was stressing me out it was putting me in a bad situation it was making it so I didn't even want to ride anymore but just by one day of being like nope you you are not allowed squish me. You are not allowed to push into me when I'm asking you not to. She's never done it again. And it just took one correction, but also that correction, because it was a high stress situation, that correction, it was quick. I took a breath. I walked away. Right. And so sometimes too, you need to just check in with yourself. Where are you mentally, emotionally? There have been times like condition writing too, where I have to get off and walk because i recognize myself that i am i am overly frustrated about things that are going on in life that any little thing that she's doing i'm overcorrecting i'm not i'm not in a space to actually fairly correct and that's when i have to take my ego out the door hop off my horse and we change we change direction right so i think just recognizing it's very normal it is normal to have anger to have sadness to have frustration when you're working with horses and it is normal to fill that. And now it's just, how are you going to channel that? What are you going to do about it? And it's like, we were talking about like that day we were both off and it would not have been conducive to good riding If we had both just forced ourselves to, to buck up and get on these colts, because both of us were just not even connected with our own selves. And we had to find ways to still connect with the horses in a way that the horse is still going to grow, but that's going to make sure that they grow in the right direction right and and that's also going to make sure that we are also respecting ourselves enough to recognize that in ourselves because it's it can be really easy to get caught up in the loop of oh push it down push it down like just suck it up buttercup you know <laughs> and, yeah. and and go through it but when you do that I feel like that's when correction becomes too much if that yeah. makes sense
0: well and I think I can't remember where I heard this I actually think it was a parenting book <laughs> um but it said Correction should be no more than 10% of your interactions. So the rest of it should be teaching, guiding, shaping new things. And then, you know, the, the consequences and the corrections are just this small, small piece, but they need to be there. I mean, if you, if you take a horse situation and put it in a parenting situation, say one of my kids didn't like that i told them no at the grocery store for getting a candy and they came up to me and kicked me you know am i not going to correct that that's that's not a good behavior and like i i i am not going to allow that and so you know you can i could come after that kid and be super angry and upset which like (laughs) most people probably would be (laughs) if my kid kicked me um but you're not just going to let it be, you know, like you're going to have a consequence of they don't get to go to the next activity that we were about to go to. You know, they lose out on a privilege or or something like that, where it is you're going to correct that. But you're also going to, you know, after the the emotionally charged child is is calm down you're going to talk with them and say hey you know how do you think you could better handle this situation you're going to role play with your kid and say okay i'm going to do we're going to do the same thing and i'm going to tell you no and then i want you to be able to do this and so you're going to do a lot more of the shaping the new behavior um after the fact but in that moment it needs a correction it Mm -hmm. does they need to know that that behavior is is not okay and that a consequence comes with it Um, and i don't think that's a bad thing i think that's a good thing healthy boundaries mm-hmm. and healthy consequences and corrections are good, but yeah, there is overcorrecting. We're not saying go and, and correct your horse every every minute of every session or correct your child every minute of the day, um, but yes, when it's warranted, correction can be mm-hmm. done well, done effectively, and done fairly where its um, doesn't need to be punishment. You know, that word, that word punishment is so, <laughs> is, has such an um, emotional backing to it, but it's, you know, rephrase it. It's just a correction. You're correcting the behavior.
1: So Yeah. Well, and I think to just, to just define correction a little bit better, correction doesn't always look like a smack, right? It, it, it doesn't. Mm -hmm. I feel like smacking is last resort when the horse is putting you in a dangerous situation, right? That's about the only time I would ever full on smack. Most of the time it's going to be like, you, you start at levels, right? Like I'm going to start by saying no. Or I'm going to start by like, if you have a flag, waving the flag first, showing them like, hey, nope, there's something up here. I, I This is not okay. And it's, if you think again, back to horse behavior, horse herd behavior, you go watch horses for a day. Seriously, go out, watch horses, see how they interact. It never starts off with a kick. There's always signals beforehand, like my mare, she's going to give him the side eye first and her nostrils are pretty tight and she's going to pin her ears and then she's going to like look at him, you know, give him the glare and then she's going to kick him. Like there's, there's like four or five signs up before the point where it's actually going to be a smack or a correction in that, in that sense. Um, And it's like, if you look at the positive reinforcement world, a correction looks like replacing the foot somewhere that is a correction right a correction is looking like not giving the treat too you know (laughs) it can look many different ways and there's just there's all those different levels and I do feel like the levels are there for a reason and you do sometimes need that higher level if a horse is coming after you you can't just say oh no don't do that please i'll give you a treat if you don't do that like that's not going to happen right like that horse is coming after you you do need to bring that energy up and you do need to take control of that situation or you're going to get hurt you're going to get hurt um but there should be levels like that like for my mare sandy for instance the level started off of oh no come on like doing my clicking cues asking her to move off like i normally do then it goes okay i'm going to touch you put pressure on your on your On your side with my hands, just like, Hey, don't move away. And then if she continues to push in, that pressure gets a little bit harder. And then if she really comes in, then yeah, you bet it. I'm not going to get smashed. So she gets a quick smack with my whip. And then again, we both take a breather. I walk away if I need to for a minute, or we just continue, you know, because I just, it needs to be, like, you need to make sure, too, that you don't do the level so slowly that it does build up into a dangerous situation as well. Like, I don't wait until I'm smashed against the trailer, right? It it goes a little bit quicker than that. But I think just realizing, like, there are those levels of correction. So when we're saying correction, we're not, we're not talking about spanking, right? That is not all what correction is. It, It looks like a lot of different things, and it's just building up those levels and, and realizing i I really don't think any of the more most connected trainers ever in the world would be okay with with a horse coming after them and biting them and kicking them. Like that's a that's a huge boundary that's being crossed right there. And if they can't handle it, I guarantee you they're selling that horse or they're sending it to another trainer who can't handle it. My opinion, <laughs> yeah,
0: well, and I tell you what, watching horses in turnout or in pasture <laughs> is one of the best ways to to really see that horse behavior because Freya is a horse that she likes her space. She likes a wide bubble with other horses. and when when I take her places or even just in turnout, um but like i I took her to um, the Blackhawk a week or two ago and uh, an arena near me. and, every time horses would come close by because it's it's tight quarters and there's a lot of horses in there so there's a lot of horses trotting or loping around her and near her and uh, she would like pin her ears if horses got too close and be like excuse me Um, but she she never kicks and even in turnout um, if a horse comes close to her she she will pin her ears and then that horse will kind of like take a step back and be like okay but um like for instance hickory at first he didn't really know his boundaries very well (laughs) so she would pin her ears he would come up to her and like chest into the back of her you know and like shove his chest right up into her butt she'd kick but she warned him first Mm -hmm. you know she she gave him that that line of like hey don't cross that line don't come any closer he ignored it and she had some Mm follow-through and now now when they're turned out they're a lot better about seeing you know how what what is this horse's bubble and what is what is the boundary here and they they learn that behavior very quickly Um, but that's why horses that have never had turnout and then people put them in turnout they're like they always get hurt and it's because they get hurt and then you pull them out and they don't get to learn that behavior of learning how to to see another horse's boundaries and, and read that horse's body language to learn that behavior so that they won't get hurt. So you have to leave them turned out long enough that they learn it, but, and it's hard to do because you don't want your horse getting kicked, right? You don't want them getting hurt. Um, so you do have to know which horses you're turning them out with. And if there's horses that are likely to kick or horses that are less likely that will just use, um, more just like you don't kind of chase them for a half a second to let them know like they'll turn Mm -hmm. and face them and and pin their ears at them and and do that instead of kicking and things so there are ways to make sure your horses are less likely to get kicked but it is fun to see that behavior because it Mm -hmm. is a very natural behavior and most of the time once horses learn how to read that behavior there's not a lot of kicking or a lot of contact it's a lot of just invisible barriers
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) yep they know They know. And it is important too, to, like you said, know your horse, know your herd because my, my lovely warm blood Gabe is a big bully or was a big bully, (laughs) right? Like he is not a fair leader. He wanted to be a leader, but he didn't know how to lead and he would bully other horses. And so it was very important to like recognize who he was being turned out with or who, or who his pen mates were. Um, And there are horses like that that just are kind of bullies and you do have to watch out for that and just make sure you're putting your horse in a fair situation. Cause yeah, some horses are socially awkward, <laughs> just like people. <laughs> and they need to learn their social cues. But I love to, like, when you think about working with kids and things like you never go from zero to spanking, you know, well, and I don't know if you even spank, but you never go from like zero to you're grounded for a month. Right. Right. That just doesn't happen there's always those levels of like hey you you i'm warning you like please don't do that like that that goes against our family values or whatever you're doing like you shouldn't you shouldn't react like that in public it's not socially appropriate and then eventually it builds and builds and builds and then that's when it's like okay well here's the big thing sorry you lost your game boy for a month or you you can't go out with your friends tonight or whatever most of the time i feel like i don't feel like most people like to correct I mean, you think about, you think about those times with your kids and with my work with, with the kids we used to work with, it was like, I really, really, really do not want to have to follow through with this consequence. I really, really do not. Can you please just like not do the thing so I don't have to have the follow through because I don't love like, and I don't love correcting my horse either when she needs it. I would much rather we both just go on with life and, and both of us just, just have that. And it's the same with people. It's like, oh, please don't ever do the thing where I'd have to actually follow through with my word and have that respect for myself and the situation. Um, so noticing that you're that in yourself as well. Like if you are somebody who's like, Oh, I really love correcting. Yeah, maybe you shouldn't work with horses or people like, <laughs> like that's probably not, not a place you should be, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I felt like there's not that many people in the world. I feel like most no. people would love it if their horses just behaved all the time right? And they really don't love to have to correct. And I think that's the same with parenting. Like, you don't, you don't want to have to give them the consequences. (laughs) Like you don't want to have to deal with those situations that cause the consequences. It is hard, Um, but definitely just recognizing where you're at in there and respecting where you're at too. Like, I, I feel like we get so guilt ridden when we do reach a point where we have to correct like I do all the time oh my gosh every time I have to correct I'm I'm constantly okay 10 things are going through my head of like did I overcorrect? did I did I not do something to to be able to lead up to this a little bit better what can I do better next time like I'm constantly like going through my head like what can I do better because I don't I don't love to correct and I do feel bad for correcting um But I think just recognizing that in yourself as well and, and taking those steps. Like if you're not in a good place, don't ride. It's okay not to ride, you know, take your horse out and hand, hand graze them, do a grooming session instead. And if you're really not like even in a place where those would be okay, don't hang out with your horse that day. It's okay. It'll actually be a lot better for your relationship if you don't. So,
0: (laughs) well, thank you guys for listening
1: and chat with you next week. Thank you for listening to The Horsewoman Project. If you have a story to tell, please email us at thehorsewomanproject at gmail.com. Links to both of our websites, social pages, and emails will be added to the show notes, as well as any links that are mentioned or contact information for our guests. Talk to you next week.